Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Write that. Write that down for me, Satan. Write that down for me, Satan. Fight Game Media Network. I'm Justin Nipper. I edit over at FightGameMedia.com. I'm a staff writer at F4W Online Wrestling Observer.com. I also work for Pro Wrestling Noah and CyberFight Incorporated. And yes, I am back with Japan's leading pro wrestling author and historian, sociologist, broadcast journalist, commentator, all that good stuff. The one and only Mr. Fumi Saito. And speaking of one and only, over the weekend, the legendary Antonio Inoki left us at age 79. Uh, if you're listening to the show, I'm assuming that you've heard the news and read a bit about it. And if you didn't catch our five-part Antonio Inoki series earlier this year, what we're doing this week to kind of celebrate his life is to repost and republish one of the episodes of Fumi and I did uh, back in January. So we did a kind of mini showcase on Inoki's life, five-part series. Today we're going to share the episode called Bomaye, which is right in the middle of his career, is what we talked about from the like 74 to 1980, really, really prime years of Inoki's in-ring career and when he became a massive superstar in Japan and over the world. Just to quickly run down what this episode covers uh this particular episode covers uh new japan and giant baba and all japan uh, establishing the tv deals with ntv and tv asahi back in the day and we talked about how hot of a time it was for pro wrestling in japan during the mid 70s era and we did talk quite a bit about the influence of television and print media journalism how much that impacted Japanese wrestling at the time. In this episode, we also talked about the bloody and inventive match Inoki had. Uh, this was December 1974 against Strong Kobayashi from International Wrestling Enterprise at the time. We also talked about Inoki's year-long feud with Tiger Jit Singh, which we actually talked about on our last episode as well, which covered both Tiger Jit Singh and Abdul the Butcher. If you're interested in that and haven't checked it out, that's on last week's episode, so check the archives for that. We talked about the hour-long bout Inoki had with Billy Robinson, one of my personal favorite matches. You can watch that on New Japan World. We talked about Inoki and Andre the Giant. We talked about Vince McMahon Sr., his involvement in New Japan at the time. 
and his appearances that he made for New Japan during this time, Vince Senior. And we also talked about the New Japan and WWF, the 11 year working relationship, how it came together. And we would also talk about how this partnership would also lead to how Inoki broke out as an international star against Muhammad Ali. Many would call this the world's first MMA fight. And uh, we also talked about Antonio Inoki becoming the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Yes. After beating Bob Backlund, uh, we talk about that convoluted story that uh, I don't even know how to pack it into one clear, articulate sentence because there's so many different things that happened over the course of a couple months back in uh, 79, 78, 79. So enjoy, learn all you can about Mr. Inoki and let's celebrate his life. And next week, we'll come back to you with a new episode. And remember, you can download all of these, all five of these episodes that Fumi and I did from earlier in the year. You can download them on the Fight Game Media Network podcast account, free feed. If you haven't already, subscribe to that. If you're on Apple Music, Spotify, Downcast, wherever you usually listen, you can find that on the Fight Game Media feed. It's a little ways down. You might have to dig a little bit, but also uh, check the show notes for this episode. And we've posted a link to all five of the episodes, direct links. So if you're into what we're talking about today, do some research, hit us up, listen to their show. And for now, let's just enjoy the very unique, distinct, interesting life of Mr. Wong and Tom. March 72, Inoki starts. And mm-hmm. October 72, Baba starts. Actually, Inoki starts his New Japan before Baba leaving JWA. That's but, right. But Baba had ch- Channel 4 de- deal right from the get-go, and Inoki didn't have television for one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you don't have television, you don't exist, right? Yeah, especially Almost. then. Yeah, so they were doing, you know, a 1973 version of Antonio Inoki against Coral Gotch matches, spring and fall. They did that twice, that they didn't even have television. And Channel 12 uh, did the one special that just, they they broadcast his second Coral Gotch match, like your boxing special, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't even a regular television. It's like all of a sudden, one night, they broadcasted Inoki against, you know, Karagach title match right out of blue. And uh, that was it. No, no regular television. But uh, it, it treated like you're boxing, you know, world title match kind of thing. And, and uh, so if you didn't watch it, you know, the entire year of 70, you know, two, Inoki didn't exist on TV. Therefore, people didn't know that, uh, I mean, casual people didn't even know that, that New Japan even existed then. It's just that the JWTV was still on and Inoki just disappeared and, you know, no, they did not announce why and or how. It just, Inoki wasn't on TV anymore during the year of 1972. It was really weird uh, as a kid because I was like sixth grade 
is all of a sudden, you know, oh, you know, he's not on TV anymore. Oh my gosh, right? And then I ask kids in, in school, it's like, didn't you know? And the other kid, you know, told me, so, didn't you know he was fired? Why? It's like, <laughs> kids know a little bit of, little bit of little pieces, right? They either hear something or they mishear something. I remember, you know, being in school and you, yeah. For, for my generation, it was always some variation of the ultimate warrior is dead story. Oh, okay. You okay. know what I mean? Everyone's you, like, yeah, you he's dead. Yeah, half the kids believed it, right? Yes, yes. Usually the non-wrestling fans believed it. Mm. But um, because okay. uh, they didn't watch. It was pretty obvious it's the same guy the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's somebody died and they switched it. What was inside the the the, the painting? Yeah. Uh, underneath the paint, and it just the, the other guy took over or something. That's what they. Uh, yeah, that's what the general <laughs> rumor growing up. Everyone that was one of the urban legend. Urban legend for uh, oh, for like wrestling. First, first uh, Ultimate Warrior is actually dead, and the the, the right. one you are watching is the second one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's real good kid story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. the company didn't take advantage of it. But hey, but th- that's kind of how it was. You know, it was it was hard to get information on your favorite wrestlers if they weren't on TV. There wasn't the internet, so you had to, you really had to go seek it out, didn't you? Ah, yeah. And then some of these kids would read, you know, um, uh, well, those you know Tokyo Sports or Nikkan Sports, those newsstand tabloids news you know news you know sports papers that comes out every afternoon and you have to go to subway station or train station to pick it up but that's aimed for adults right mm-hmm. but some kids get to read those i never did you know <laughs> so some of the kids knew better rumors than other kids it's just so 70s you know but that's kind of the beginning of also that um uh news and print culture that's so deeply connected to wrestling in japan it's yeah the yeah, only real the info yeah the info mm-hmm. is out unless it's on the tv show or at the show it's in the press you know yeah because in 1960s early 60s tokyo sports newspapers were created just to cover wrestling really that was ricky dozen era but 1963, you know, Rick Dozen, the king, passed away untimely, and and but the wrestling went on, show must you know must go on thing, and Tokyo Sports and other tabloid remained, and they all covered wrestling. It had a lot to do with wrestling survival, you know, and uh, t- TV didn't you know stop, you know that uh, even after Rick Dozen, they always you know aired primetime wrestling on, on Friday Friday night, 8 o'clock thing, you know, religiously, and, and people followed it. And uh, way, all the way till like mid-60, what was interesting was that um, they rotated, you know, first week wrestling, same time slot, Friday night, 8 o'clock, Channel 4, second week, Disney World, Disney, and third week wrestling, and fourth week, Disney again. Isn't that interesting? I feel like... Uh... Pro wrestling in Japan is so deeply connected to TV. Media? Media. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. And it, it would be strange to pull wrestling off of television because it seems like wrestling has been on television for as long as television has been in Japan. Oh, that's it, though. That's it, though. Because Rikidozan made television famous and television made Rikidozan famous. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Television made wrestling pro wrestler famous, and pro wrestler wrestling made television popular because、mm -hmm. people are buying TV sets at your home so you can watch wrestling every week. <laughs> well, actually, the first week wrestling, like I said, second week same same time slot Disney, and third week、uh, wrestling again, and fourth week same time slot Friday night eight o'clock Disney. So it was like a Blue color audience to white color audience to blue color audience to white color audience. It was so controlled or something.、Mm. In hindsight,、yeah. had to reach out to everybody because there was a big difference in television in Japan versus in the states. I mean, because the states are so geographically、yeah. big. If you lived in New York, you of course you knew California existed, but if you didn't see it on TV,、right. you never thought about it, and you, you never thought about that there could be.、Uh, Two or three or more different kinds of pro wrestling out there because you just in the states you're living in your own world because it's just、uh, the country is so big. Yeah. And whereas Japan is the size of what California. You know?、mm -hmm. and, so and that also places like a national television. Right. Yeah. It, it completely changes the idea of like you know in Japan it's it's a, a big enough country to where you can get a signal from the top of the island to the bottom. Where in the states it's just the signals. <clears throat> Run out, and everybody had、uh, every town had their own, you know, local. Yeah,、television. local station. Yeah, and then local radio stations and so, local、yep. newspapers. Yeah,、and、it there, was the only there, way. There, there, you have fifty states, like a fifty different countries. Then almost, yeah, almost, so, almost, right, right. So really, so, but the, the, every single network station in the states, like a, you know, the CBS, ABC, and NBC. Now it's Fox too, but the. Every major station is out of New York, but the movies come from California, Hollywood. Movies, TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. So West Coast and East Coast always like a big rival, I guess. I guess、culture. so. Yeah, pop pop culture too. Pop culture. Back to、sure. this, yeah. <clears throat> back to this wrestling thing that the year of 1973, Antonio Inoki and New Japan Pro Wrestling did not exist on TV. So. That seventy、uh, two. Okay, then in the beginning of seventy three, Seiji Sakaguchi and his you know his guys like Kengo Kimura and Ozawa you know Masashi Ozawa later on he becomes Killer Khan, right? They join New Japan, leaving JWA and New Japan roster got so you know a lot bigger and TV Asahi switched affiliation from JWA to New Japan, then JWA. All JWA Nippon Pro Wrestling went down real quick, and New Japan pretty much took over、uh, what it was, you know, what was left of it, you know. And TV Asahi and New Japan big tag team, and All Japan Pro Wrestling Jan Baba and Nippon TV Channel Four big tag team. So therefore, two major league. It pretty much begins year seventy three instead of seventy two. The company opened in nineteen seventy two, but the 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 real war. Didn't start until the following year. Does that make sense? That's right. Because, I mean,、yeah. the TV really heated things up, didn't it? I mean, it was really. Oh, and by the way, what on、uh, with New Japan and All Japan at that time?、Yeah. What days or nights were the shows on? Um, in 1973,、mm. New Japan took over Friday night eight o'clock traditional time slot. Just different、okay. channel, channel ten, TV Asahi,、mm -hmm. and all Japan Nippon TV, which was traditional, you know, wrestling channel from the right from the beginning from Rikidozen era. They switched 
the television time to Saturday night, eight o'clock. Hmm. Saturday, so Friday night and Saturday night, both nights, you know, they had wrestling on prime time. That's big. Okay, so 74 TV with New Japan and Yoki, the company's heating up. 73, um, yeah. things are moving. Yeah. And then this is when he's Sakaguchi, really... Saka, Sakaguchi joining. Yeah. And, and Inoki and Sakaguchi, Sakaguchi had a yeah. yeah famous tag team. Right. That too. Yeah. And Sakaguchi was the one responsible bringing TV Asahi to Inoki. Therefore, they, you know, joined together. So how did that work with uh, with Sakaguchi? How did he get involved in everything? Well, Sakaguchi was the top guy for about eight months period with JWA after both Baba and Inoki left. They okay, still so had TV. Who's the, yeah, the last top guy they had before dissolving? Yeah, yeah. And also he was former um, world champion judoka, judo, you know, and he was golden rookie of the 60s. And he was like clearly number three underneath the Baba and Inoki. But all of a sudden, after Baba and Inoki left the left old JWA, they appointed Sakaguchi to be the guy. But Sakaguchi knew knew that the, this company was going down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As things were, and uh, he um he see, Sakaguchi's legacy has been so overlooked. You know, he, if Inoki didn't get this. TV Asahi deal that Inoki was in jeopardy. You know, first year he didn't have television, he didn't have any American talent. He did uh, Inoki against Korogach a couple times, you know. And uh, other than that, it's like they were using American wrestlers that I didn't even recognize, you know, the names, you know. And uh, without television, basically, like we said, that the New Japan didn't really exist in the public eyes. It was it wasn't the establishment. It was it was kind of the underground alternative to to what was on TV with Baba in the main show. Yeah, and JWA mm-hmm. and and international IWB had television too. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know what happened to Inoki? He just disappeared from television. I mean, during the year '72, but the Sakaguchi, you know, and TV Asahi had a meeting that the. Let's drop JWA and join New Japan and create a form a new form of company and that will go. Then by doing so, you can get rid of all the old farts <laughs> from the JW, JWA era. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it was like a Rikido, the ghost from Rikidozan era, you know? The operation, the way they handle their money, the, the way they handle their 200 shows a year, um, you know, scheduling and uh, the connection to states and all these things that the, that the new generation should come in who were Sakaguchi and Inoki in that. In that. So uh, Sakaguchi actually had a big role to bring in TV Asahi deal into New Japan and Inoki and they joined together and it's a, it became a big force. And he's still with New Japan to this day, 50 years later. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And also he... Uh, Sakaguchi is so um, modest or humble, you know, person that the, he wasn't really aiming to become star in that ring, but the, he wanted this New Japan wrestling business to success, I think. And so uh, he chose to be the lieutenant 
instead of resting star. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So his role has been really huge, although that his legacy has been so overlooked. But uh, during this uh, year of 1973, at the end of 73, that uh, after Sakaguchi joined and New Japan became big and had a you know, TV Asahi deal, that was the year also that uh, Inoki beat Johnny Powers to become NWF World Heavyweight Champion. Mm -hmm. NWF. <laughs> kind of almost deceiving name because in Japan, NWA, you know, National Wrestling Alliance name has been so big. And uh, there was another you know, wrestling champion from America. His name is Johnny Powers, and Inoki's challenging for the you know for the title. In the you uh, in 1970s, early 70s mindset, <clears throat> Japanese wrestler challenged some um, you know world title from America. He probably wouldn't win. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But uh, this time. He Inoki brought the championship from from America, you know, that actually existed in Ohio, right? NWF. Mm -hmm. uh, he beat Johnny Powers in Japan, and he kept the title in Japan for the next seven years. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And it became, yeah. I mean, it, when we think, when I think about or hear the name NWF title, you think about Inoki before. Johnny yeah, that, and uh, the beautiful looking eagle uh, mm -hmm. championship belt. Huh? Kind of iconic and, belt. Uh, yeah, and then also that was a design of championship belt that, that was famous around that time period that, you know, WWF title, you know, design was like that, that uh, other, you know, like NWA tag team titles and all these, uh, like a, uh, Los Angeles titles, for some reason, all the championship belt design was like that, you know, that uh, golden eagle and uh, certain design. And then the yeah, NWF belt was Inoki's like really iconic thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you always see it in the pictures. You always see it in his really famous photos or on album covers or magazine covers. Yeah, more so than, you know, let on IWGP belt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there wasn't a belt for quite a while. It wasn't uh, with the IWGP championship. It was just the tournament. Tournament, yeah. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But the, the, so the real old Japan, new Japan, Baba Inoki, media and television and wrestling war started in the year 1973. And in the beginning of 74, it became really clear that that uh, what Inoki does and what Baba does, you know, the how to present wrestling became like a, like almost like a two different world. 
March of 1974, following year, Inoki had this very significant historical title match against late strong Kobayashi. At the time, he was IW World Champion, and he walked out of company to, to become free agent and challenging Inoki and Baba, right? And uh, it was, of course, storyline that the Inoki, you know, it was the deal was made that the Inoki and Kobayashi thing was going to happen, and Baba was going to just ignore it, right? But on newspaper like Tokyo Sports, strong Kobayashi challenged both Inoki and Baba, and Inoki was the one who accepted the challenge, and Baba basically ignored it. Hmm. Yeah. But it was storyline that,、uh, you know, we have to remember Inoki and, and Kobayashi deal was already made, you know, by the time they announced it, you know. And 74, that、uh, Inoki against Kobayashi, that one champion against another, and both Japanese superstar, which hasn't been done for 20 years. You know what the 20 years is? Okay. Inoki Kobayashi first encounter was March of 1974. You rewind about 20 years, 1954, it was Ricky Dozan against Masahiko Kimura, the beginning of wrestling. Oh, yeah. So, for the for 20 year period, they never had Japanese superstar against Japanese superstar matchup in 50s and 60s, all the way till 1974. Wrestling meant Japanese babyface against American heels. I mean, the basic format. Does that make any sense? So that's the、uh, almost like a template or archetype for for Japanese versus Japanese wrestler setting. The, yeah, the, yeah. The first、uh, made, made look so important. You know, the who is the best or the this is the biggest wrestling match in history or something like that. And we all believed it, you know. And yeah, rightfully so. The Inoki against Kobayashi match. Was really historical and it was a good match. And、uh, Inoki beat Kobayashi with his famous German suplex. And、uh, before you know, VHS, way, I mean, decades before the internet, it was dec- still decades before VHS, VCR, right? But I clearly remember that, that、uh, this whole you know, last five minute sequence from this Inoki Kobayashi match. You know, Inoki,、uh, the Kobayashi post, Inoki outside the ring, Inoki juices, and Kobayashi gets back in the ring first and gives Inoki you know, vertical suplex from the apron onto the ring, right? And then、uh, Kobayashi gives、uh, inverted you know, backbreaker, like you have Jesse Ventura type backbreaker. And Inoki, you know, it's gonna, we thought Kobayashi was going to beat. But Inoki lands and g i v e him reverse suplex. Then both guys gets up, you know, get up like really staggered. Then Inoki gives Kobayashi Luthes backdrop, you know, the ballot to back suplex.、Mm-hmm. Boom. Almost over, right? And need one more thing. Inoki gives Kobayashi German suplex for sure thing one to three. This <laughs> way, decades before you know, VHS tapes,、uh, still I can clearly play the whole sequence in my head、uh, to this day. It's, Crazy, like a, huh? uh, it's like a song or something. It's, it's like a, and it's funny yeah, because. Well, yeah, of course, I watched it over and over and over for the past 20, 30 years, but、uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting. Well, two things that are interesting. 
One, um, this was, you know, it was Inoki's big win, 74, but the way he won it was with a German suplex, which yeah. is Carl Gotch's move, the guy who... Of course. Of course, yeah, the guy yeah, who... Like the only guy to do wrestling. Yeah. And, um, and another uh, idea that I found kind of interesting, or once you're kind of studying it and paying attention, you notice that Inoki didn't really have just one signature move or one finisher. Uh, at the time, probably Octopus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But throughout his yeah. career, he he finished a lot of matches with a lot of different things, a lot of different moves. Um, it is a lot like you're reinventing yourself, you know, Thales thing that, uh, see, Inoki, uh, as he grew older, and it's really hard on him because he has bad neck, that he stopped using German suplex. And after... You know, after Muhammad Ali thing, his kick became more famous. Therefore, he invented Rick, uh, Enzigiri to be his finish. Mm-hmm. Like your, like your uh, switching music. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, Keiji Muto's Shining Wizard instead of Moonsault. See, Muto, everybody knows that he has such a bad knees, right? And he won't be using Moonsault every night that uh, he needed to use leg sweep into figure four leg lock. Then he invented Shining Wizard as a finish. So uh, as you grow older, uh, your career, you know, going to your senior, you know, period that uh, you will change your finish, I think. You evolve with the time and with your body. Yeah, yeah. And as he grew older and older, you know, he started using sleeper hold for his finish too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like e- kind of like easy, physically easy on you, huh? Yeah, but believable. And yeah, but he does it so well, like he means it. Well, he meant it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the German suplex, like, was like the sure thing finish when he was in thirty, in his thirties. Nobody kicked out German suplex like they do now. When you see German suplex and bridges, one, two, three was a was a sure thing when I was a kid. Very protected move. The backdrop too, which uh, again was that's associated with uh, Ricky Dozan and Luthes. Luthes, yeah, Ricky Dozan and Luthes, right, right. And also this strong Kobayashi, uh, Antonio Inoki single match was so important because they, you know, hyped it like uh, twenty years in making. Oh, well, they weren't there, but, uh, you know, they were talking about Ricky Dozen against, Kim, you know, Masahiko Kimura, the beginning of Japanese pro rest history. So that all things, all the all the pieces of puzzle was important. All right. Well, first time in 20 years, Japanese champion against Japanese champion. Wow. This is so important. Right. And uh, yeah. So that was like a very, very historical match. Uh, what John Baba did that year later on was that. He won, he beat Jack Briscoe in Japan to become very first Japanese wrestler to be become NWA world champion. That's a big, that's, big, big deal. Yeah, so that's how John Powers, you know, counter. So it's a different philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same year, you know, you know, he had a single match against Kintaro Oki, another. Uh, kind of forgotten, but uh, historically very important that the Baba Inoki and Kintaro Oki were the original three musketeer in JWA. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, at the time, you know, when JWP went down, Kintaro Oki, uh, real name Kim Il, he went back to South Korea and became Ricky Dozen of that country. He opened pro- professional wrestling business there. He has a very interesting background or life story. Oh, Kintaro Oki himself? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because when there was no diplomacy, he got on the boat and, and came into Japan as a like a uh, illegal Im- Im- immigrant. And Ricky Dozen and, and the politician saved him and uh, gave him visa to become wrestler. Very interesting. So, okay, we finished with... Um... <clears throat> Strong Kobayashi, that was a big, big match. But in 74, 75, there were also a lot of other big Inoki matches. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, of course. Uh, I'm not sure what year it yeah. was, but Tiger, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh, I think, Tiger was around Jeet this time. Singh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Became, um, you always needed your regular heel. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in New Japan, Anthony Inoki against Tiger Jeet Singh all year long. <laughs> almost that's how i remember you know o- almost all year long whereas <clears throat> giant baba had abdul the butcher in his prime same method japanese baby face against big american badass um heel so it was like a baba against abdul the butcher all year long 74 75 yeah 76 all the way to like another five six years yeah for that matter i think these matches really start to show Inoki as a, a brawling, uh, wild kind of wrestler, more more so than in the past. I mean, these matches right. are pretty to bloody. To be able to compete with somebody like Tagajit seeing the complete heel. What what was interesting was, though, in back in Toronto, Toronto Canada, Tagajit Singh was babyface. So yeah. he was the, uh, kind of the their, their star, their star babyface, and he... Like a lot of other wrestlers would come to Japan and sort of switch their persona, switch their character. Yeah, but uh, Tiger Jitsin did this extra carefully that he, you know, back in 70s, what, the news travel so slow, right? Mm -hmm. So people didn't know that Tiger Jitsin was a big baby in Toronto. And Tiger Jitsin did not want people to know that at all. So he uh, he made sure nobody knows you know what's happening in 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 Toronto or Detroit for that matter, and uh, the, his mannerism you know the Tiger Jet scene the crazy big rule breaking villain that, that it was exactly like what you see in Detroit uh, videotape from like the Sheik era. He worked exactly like the original Sheik. Did you know that? If yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious when you if you watch him back to back, of course too. But I mean it's a similar style yeah. where it's it's a, a non in ring style. It's it's uh, it's the wrestling brawl. You got to go in the crowd. You got to chase people. You have to throw and knock over chairs and whip your opponent uh, and the, also uh, a foreign object out of your tights at the time. You know, he has all kinds of stick or the bottle opener and other things hidden in his, in his trunks or mm-hmm. the shoes. Or he would he uh, takes, wrap, you know, his, wrap his yeah, t- um, fingers. Finger hands, yeah, right. And back then, you know, juice, double juice kind of thing. I mean, big, you know, like a very almost primitive when you think about it now. But uh, at the time, blood meant heat, right? 
Sure. It was raw. Inoki, yeah, Inoki juiced and Taiga juiced. Juiced a lot of times double juice and Baba too. You know, that uh, Abdul the Butcher every match almost bloody every match. And then Baba juice himself too. And then sometimes double juice, all these things, you know, was on primetime television. <laughs> you know, I guess that the TV like uh, standard criteria or the there was no such thing as rated R or PG or G television was television then. And when you think about it, in eight, eight o'clock on Friday night and Saturday night, people are watching wrestling on television you know in your living room maybe maybe even be having dinner or something and you're watching something <laughs> so bloody <laughs> on television yeah would, would you is- say that those are the sort of the seeds of deathmatch wrestling not just i mean it's all over the world there's a lot I of other examples so because a uh, little bit off the subject but the mm. young young 16 year old 17 year old onita was sitting in the ringside being a ring boy that's right in all japan <laughs> yeah i take like a, your water boy towel you know like a carrying you know giant baba's costume right and washing baba's back all those years onita's yeah deathmatch plant and seed was planted he watched terry funk and he wanted to be like terry funk he what you know onita's watching abdur the butcher and the sheik he wanted to be like that and he became that, you know, 20 years later. That's another story for another day, but, you know, that's interesting, right? That's a very interesting. So we'll, we'll probably come back to it when we talk about Baba down the road because he was... Yeah, uh, when you watch 70s videotapes, what's so interesting, you have to pay attention to who's uh, seconding these wrestlers outside the ring, like you're, you know, like a track, you know, track suit, top and bottom. You know, like ring boys, young Fujinami, the young Riki Choshu, the young, you know, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, the, all those guys are in the ringside. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I recently watched second Inoki Strong Kobayashi match from December of 74. And uh, if you get the video, I, I have a link so I can, I can probably send it to you, but uh, there's... Um, like I said, there is no big mic promo in Japanese wrestling, right? No backstage skit. Kind of like your sport interview, like your football interview kind of thing, you know, network sportscaster will interview wrestlers coming into building and give short interview, but it was like treated like a real, you know, sports interview, not like your 80s, 90s promo, in you know, kind of thing. No big storyline or skit. But they did that in the ring. And what I'm talking about is this very beginning of this, you know, second Inoki match from December of 74. What they did was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I watched it very recently after strong Kobayashi, you know, passed, you know, passed in, in December 30th of last year. And uh, I went back and watched this Inoki, you know, Kobayashi second match. The first match from March 74 forward is really really famous but the second match is just as good and so overlooked anyhow very beginning of the match inoki gives two drop kicks okay to kobayashi two drop kicks then body slam boom then cover one two three referee count three right this guy, whoa inoki beat him in 20 seconds great but kobayashi's foot hook was on the rope referee misses it but this, you know, that the 
they rang the bell and then the match was over and people start throwing things into the ring like a bottles or garbage or what you were eating or <laughs> uh, rice ball everything they threw into the ring and then then the, all these people came in it was a misjudge referee made mistake and such a simple storyline right but it was at the time it was so much heat and Kobayashi got up and got so mad and the three referees, the executive all came into the ring and they had a real quick discussion. They, they were, you know, they restart the match. Then people popped kind of something simple, but you just have to watch it, you know, because it's so believable. It was, so I, believable. I've, I, I've seen the match. I'm familiar with it. And it's, it's amazing to see how people react. It, I guess it's not the same, but you could compare it to when Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. It was very unexpected finish. Right, right, right. Situation. Of course, there did, what happened were different, and and uh, Inoki and, and Kubashi would have yeah. a, a longer match afterwards. Like that right, wasn't right. a complete finish. So, yeah, but it, you believed it. You know, the match was over in twenty seconds. Inoki beat Kobayashi one, two, three. But clearly, from that what you were watching from the television screen. Kobayashi was on the rope, but referee didn't see it. And then big hit on referee, right? It's, a, it's all classic. I mean, a very basic formula to put heat on somebody. But at the time, oh, that looks so believable. It hadn't been done before. You have to you just go out of your way and watch this one. Right. Oh, now that they do referee bumps and, uh, you know, do things behind referee's back or just like you're – Royal Rumble just a few days ago that, you know, the when referee knocked out from, you know, from F F5 that uh, Roman Reigns coming in and give Brock Lesnar his spear. And then Bobby Lashley covers and, you know, one, two, three and beat him and win the title and much heat on who, heat on who, right? And then Paul Heyman turning on, you know, Brock Lesnar and then walk out with Roman Reigns. They do that so much that you get so used to it, you know. But in mid-70s, they did that so seldom that worked so much better. Does that make sense? Mm. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, we were talking about TV earlier. There's so many, in, in today's wrestling, there's so many different, um, there's so much pressure to keep doing Interesting things. Doing things, interesting, interesting things, putting out content, going. putting out TV yeah, shows. Yeah. So um, New Japan, it's for example. Just like other, yeah, like a lot of American fans talk about today's New Japan product, right? They do so many angles and the referee bumps and, you know, that the bad guy, you know, heel manager running and do bad things and the ref, put heat on referee and the referee's not watching. And they, you know, a lot of the New Japan world, you know, the, the uh, today's New Japan audience are kind of like a beginners. Therefore, they just you know the the product is catered to more of a uh, like a beginner ad, type audience. But they do so many American style angles that uh, it's not really working anymore or something, right? I know that in the English speaking sphere, uh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know anybody who I, most people are really not into it. If you look at right, social right. media, they're they're almost like violent against uh, House of Torture and and Dick Togo and uh, yeah, just, right, right. Because, um, well, for one thing, that the the podcasters and and uh, whatnot, uh, internet 
um, wrestling journalists, today's wrestling journalists are so, I mean, numbers are not big, but they're so vocal about it, right? Yeah. 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 And then they also expect Japanese wrestling camp, you know, companies do more Japanese oriented finishes, just straight finish, compete and a good match and clean finish. And yeah, yeah, I admit that the Japanese wrestling is leaning towards more and more to American type finishes, huh? Yeah, but New on, Japan is uh, New Japan is. But on the one hand, um, it's hard to because it's in a different language. It's hard to express uh, when a crowd in Japan is enjoying. Uh, a product or is enjoying a wrestler right. or a different match. reaction and different facial expression and different reaction on you know, overall mm-hmm. and, uh, and also different generations of wrestling fans like you know 70s wrestling fans in japan 80s wrestling fans in japan 90s wrestling fans in japan uh, you know 21st century wrestling fans in japan uh, kind of different too yeah now correct me if i'm wrong but my impression is that while Right now, people are not a fan of Evil and his matches because of the you know the, the same right. interference, pattern. yeah, uh, over and over. But yeah. in Japan, in general, to me, it seems like he's pretty popular. New Japan wrestling is one of the he really is popular with Evil. the fans there. Yeah, and also today's wrestling fan understand wrestling as it is. You know, that's how it is. Okay, okay, you know. Does you know? I think '90s wrestling fans and you know, two year two thousand wrestling fan, which is what already twenty years ago, that they went home and thought about it for a little longer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why did they do what they did, right? And this generation can watch again and go back to it again and again. Yeah, and then also don't even think about yeah, don't even think about it, you know, and then because uh, in nineties into two thousand, after you know, group of wrestling fans in Japan, you know, went to watch some big shows, they would go to bars or restaurant or something with those friends and talk about what you just saw all night long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was a different time for sure. Yeah, whereas today's wrestling fans you know, just as soon as you leave the building, that was over. You know? There's and something else on. I guess so, yeah, yeah. And, or you will probably find quick answer on, on the internet. Somebody will give you the answer why they did what they did. There right. shouldn't be an answer. Wrestling give you just hints in the results that, uh, but we, wrestling fans, have free kind of a freedom to you know understand and interpret you know what happened and how you feel about it you know not like you can find quick answer on the internet the next second you google you know or something it's all different almost like a different human being <laughs> yeah yeah we're in the in the processing stage we're right in the middle i don't know where it's going, but it's definitely, it's different from where Inoki's uh, time period and Baba's time period, what was going on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. Things move, you know, a bit, bit, bit slower, mm-hmm. but people remember it, you know, clearly that uh, before VCR, you know, you just have to memorize a lot of things and really sit down and think about, you know, what you think of it, you know, or, or what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in Japan, of course, reading, reading about it, 
in the papers and in the magazines. Right, that too, that too. Reflecting right, right. on it, reflecting on it, I think is the, the idea yeah. of the word. But um, so, yeah, and this is, okay, so back to, you know, 74, 75. 74, so, yeah, so Inoki and Kobayashi single match was so important. The same year in December when Inoki was doing the second round of Inoki-Kobayashi match after he returned from WWE, see, Kobayashi had a long nine-month tour in New York and had this, you know, great WWF run and came back fresh with, you know, new mustache and a different look and a different attitude and had a second match, right? And he really Same had the, the traditional American heel style down, especially when he had that match with Inoki. He's a and the I, second I, time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he was uh, on the TV show kind of regularly. If you go, if anybody goes back and watches those what, Pennsylvania, Allentown, Pennsylvania oh, uh, okay, TV okay. tapings, he was, uh, yeah, he was on the show. I remember yeah, that he you can go back funny, and watch stuff. He was, he uh, too, you know, like a traditional yeah. Japanese tights with barefoot. Yeah, that's right. Barefooted. Yeah, yeah. So like he Mr. Fuji. This, yeah, right. Exact same costume. So, well, well, Vince McMahon Sr., you know, wanted that kind of look. Mm-hmm. In, oh. Back in 1970, he had a long AWA run too. <clears throat> was uh, you know speaking of McMahon, was Vince McMahon Senior at that Inoki and the Kobayashi match? Not that match, but he came in month later. It was uh, uh, May May of 1974. All of a sudden, Vince McMahon Senior, Vincent James McMahon. The senior came to New Japan and congratulated Inoki for winning World League mm. and announced that the partnership, New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWWF at the time. Yeah. It was so interesting that, to us because Inoki finally signed the deal partnership with American establishment. If Baba goes with NWA and AWA, that Inoki had you know, signed the deal with WWWF. That was a big move. Yes, right. That was the same year, 74. And uh, uh, the, the New Japan and New York uh, WWWF partnership would last all the way till like 1985. So it's right. a partnership. Yeah. It's um, pretty amazing to think about it. The, the fact that both companies are still active and and that they actually had a history ten year, ten plus year history yeah yeah partnership yeah it's, it's, today's new japan isn't inoki's new japan and today's wwe isn't vince mcmahon senior's wwe you know it's, it's different generation but it's same company that's amazing yeah same bloodline so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, all Japan today's all Japan pro wrestling isn't exactly Giant Baba's all Japan pro wrestling, but it's the same bloodline, and they they still use exact same logo and has triple crown. So that's, that's very right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of like Stardom and uh, and uh, all Japan all women. Japan women. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not exactly, too. but the same idea. Yeah, that the same heritage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, uh, and also we have to point out that. Uh, all Japan, st- today's All Japan still have spring traditional tournament champion carnival. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like their G1. And also, yeah, and, and in December, they have real world tag team tournament every year. I mean, like a 40 plus year history. 
the reason in 1974 Inoki started revival of World League, the World League was actually Ricky Dozen's famous tournament during uh, uh, you know late 50s into early 60s that every spring you bring in like 10 American superstar champions to, to do this spring traditional tournament thing. It was called World League Championship Tournament. And Inoki revived that uh, World League Tournament in 74 and he invited Vince, Vince McMahon Sr. And on, on final, Inoki beat Carol Coral Crap. <laughs> the Nazi character, okay? Killer Carl Krupp to be the first winner of this revival. Uh, uh, World League tournament because I already started first annual champion carnival in spring. So always look at what, what Baba did, Inoki had to do it. And what Inoki did, Baba had to do it. You know, just always going back and forth with no communication, but you can tell what, you know, what Inoki did, Baba had to, you know, encounter, you know, like a counter with something bigger and Inoki does something again and Baba has to do something again. And it was like this for the next 20 years. <laughs> I mean, but not just him, but the companies and also the network television that, that was with them. Yeah. See, when Baba, so Baba has Abdur the Butcher so big as heel, Inoki had to make, you know, the Tiger Jeet scene so big that uh, they, you know, the, the NWF title went back and forth, you know. Tiger Jeet scene beat Inoki for the title and then Inoki beat in Tiger Jeet scene again in, you know, for the NWF title and Baba did the same with PWF title, Pacific Wrestling Federation. Now, another... F Federation title. See, Inoki's NWF title and Baba's PWF title is, was really confusing for kids like me. Yeah, especially if the uh, companies didn't actually exist like uh, PWF. Oh, that was a Lord James Blair from Hawaii. So we believe there was a big office in Hawaii. <laughs> Because he always came in from Hawaii and read the commissioner's, you know, like title match statement, recognized this match as a official Pacific Wrestling Federation title match uh, uh, that uh, recognized by Pacific Wrestling Federation and sanctioned by NWA National Wrestling Alliance. We all believed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nice, sophisticated touch. Even you know what, Dory uh, Funk Jr. still, uh, still he does, does that to to this date. Yeah, he did it He's last the year. Of PWF, yeah, yeah. Oh, if he wasn't pandemic, yes, Dory Funk, Mister Dory Funk, would still be here and reading that statement. And uh, speaking some Japanese. Oh, he does. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and and he... also, he's uh, Dory Funk is uh, such a big name that. Uh, after he dropped NWA World Heavyweight title to Harley Race for the for the final time, that's when Dory Funk started coming to Japan like every month. Yeah. So first with JWA so, and then with yes, with affiliate and also it was uh, publicized that Dory Funk and Terry Funk and uh, at the time yeah, right by then Dory Senior passed away, but uh, it was Dory and Terry Funk that who booked all these American top talent to all Japan. So you're the baby face as it is, yeah. We should yeah, also whereas 
Yeah, whereas Inoki didn't have really you know American partners or didn't publicize it, you know. Yeah, he had them later, not yeah. until the WWF relationship. But what I wanted to mention, I think around this time too, is when Inoki also wrestled Andre the Giant. Yeah, starting 74. Um, it was, I think, the part of the Vince McMahon senior deal. Vince McMahon already had exclu exclusive contract with Andre the Giant. Okay. Well, Vince senior made him Andre, you know, that gave him Andre the Giant name. Until then, he was Monster Rushmoff, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, in, in, in Montreal, he was what? John Ferret? Yeah. Giant, giant John Ferret, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he gave Vince Sr. gave Andre under the giant name and signed the contract that year, you know, either 73 or 74. And starts, he knew that Andre should not stay in one place too long, right? He, you know, he's under uh, Vince Sr.'s contract, but Vince Sr. chose to send Andre to all over the territories. You know, who appear in Dallas, appear in Florida. He would wrestle in Tennessee, you know, maybe not Tennessee, but he would wrestle in Hawaii. He would wrestle in, in California. He would come into all these different territories all through the year. And every time Andre make an appearance, that would become their extravaganza supercard in where you live. And usually super heavyweight battle royal. And Andre wins and leaves. And... In the meantime, Andre would be touring with New Japan maybe four, five, six times a year. That's where he kept him, you know, basically. And Inoki was the only and the first, I think, promoter to use Andre as a heel. And I know, can you imagine Andre the Giant in his prime working heel, walking into Japanese audience crowd like a big monster? <laughs> we had to run for life. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a giant. He was bigger than Baba. He was huge. He was yeah, huge and heavier than Baba, and didn't have bad knees yet, and didn't have bad back yet. And he really worked. Like he had this, you know, big splash, big, you know, like a frog splash off second rope. Andre doing it, and Inoki, uh, Andre both in his prime, you know, throwing that the suplex in each other and uh Inoki doing the short arm scissors like you know key lock mm -hmm. and Inoki pick him up on his shoulder and walk around and he did they uh, they did a lot of lot of you know spectacular things. Of course Inoki Bali slammed him. And there was a you know <laughs> to this day people still discuss how many wrestlers have body slammed under the giant, right? It was a big deal, such a big deal, you know. Of course, how Hogan did that, and oh, all the way to what uh, uh, later on, Ultimate Warrior, you know, beat Under the Giant in like a couple minutes every night. But that was real sad state. But uh, in his prime, not too many wrestlers body slammed Under the Giant, right? That was like a almost like an urban legend. Right. It was the basis of, of uh, a lot of the early WrestleManias. It was the big storyline. Oh, yeah, well, the, the WrestleMania 3, finally, yeah, when he turned heel on Hulk Hogan, but his more, you know, curly Afro-like hair, you know, big Andre going to different places, go, went to Mexico and connect body slammed him, uh, went to um, Australia, somebody body slammed him, 
went, you know, Andre went to Germany and guy Roland Bach body slammed him or, or all the way to maybe somebody like a giant Kamala. You know, uh, when I spoke his mass superstar, Bill Eadie, he said he body slammed him in North Carolina too. And Harley Race, of course, but only about seven, eight wrestlers who body slammed under Jan. Young, strong Kobayashi body slammed uh, uh, Monster Rushmoff like in, in early, early 70s. But the body slamming under the giant was such a big deal, right? Hmm. Ricky Choshu too. Oh, in 90s, yes. Um, oh, like oh, in the 80s, yes, yes. And uh, the Strong Kobayashi and, and Giant Rusimov, that was in the IWE, right? That was with the right, international right. wrestling. Was, yeah, tournament final. Monster Rushmoff against Strong Kobayashi was a tournament final before uh, before Kobayashi walked out of the company and joined Inoki. But uh, that was the same year. And under the Giant uh, of his first New Japan tour, he made comment that the, uh, Kobayashi and I had a match. Kobayashi was very strong. He will beat Inoki. So it's like, whoa, as a kid, you believed it, right? Some people think Kobayashi is going to beat Inoki there. Oh, wow, right? <laughs> Storyline so simple sometimes, you know, then, you know. Simple times. Yeah, but uh, it made a lot, lot more sense, it seems. Yeah. But uh, those were the 74, 75. It was a very interesting year, you know? Oh, and 75. Yeah. 75 was yeah. also the uh, Bill Robinson match. Right. Billy Robinson against Antonio Inoki, who is the best in the world type match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60 minute. Uh, I can, yeah, I, I, I watched the, the you know, videotape over and over. And so it's like, I forgot how I felt first, but the, it was 60 minute, two out of three fall match. And the first fall didn't come in until like a 44 minute mark, <laughs> you know, it was a, I guess you could call it a really high level, high technique type of match for the time. Or the catchers catch can, and mm-hmm. they have the somebody in common that the young fourteen-year-old Billy Robinson trained with Carl Gotch in Wigan, England, uh, that the Snake Pit Gym uh, when he was fourteen, fifteen, and also Inoki, of course, famous Carl Gotch pupil, right? So there were there was this there were this strong catches catch can Lancashire wrestling I mean no nonsense the real pro wrestling image to it you know because those were the time Inoki was using this you know um, idea that Inoki's wrestling in New Japan pro wrestling, pro wrestling is real real and what you see on Baba's television ah you don't know it's like <laughs> you know what I'm saying giving strong hint Baba's wrestling is phony and and Inoki's wrestling is real deal. Then a lot of people believed it though then. Because yeah. Baba's style was more associated with international style, the American style, which always had yeah, moves slower, bouncing off the ropes. Uh, yeah. Big boot. Mm-hmm. Some comedy, yeah. you know, it, it a little bit more of a show. But Baba was the one who was having important single match with important American superstars all mm-hmm. along. See, J- all JWA didn't give give Inoki chance to, you know, have single match against people like Bruno San Martino, the Gene Koneski, the, you know, whatnot. I mean, who, who was world champion at the time? It was always Baba who 
had the position or who hosted uh, those existing world champion from America and have important title match at the baseball stadium type setup. Yeah. So there's clearly difference, you know, that Inoki being underdog, you know, that, the, oh, this is Inoki episode number three, so we should talk more about Inoki. But uh, we got to talk about see, uh, Giant Baba you know, in ba Baba episode because uh, you and I talked about that before. It seems like that uh, for American fans or today's wrestling historian, Inoki is a lot more popular than Giant Baba, right? But in Japan, those two superstars were, has always been equal, equally popular. See, there's Inoki fans, but they're strong Baba fan and all Japan fans. Seriously, it's like these two, two philosophies, are, like two different leagues, two different wrestling. And I was kid wrestling fan, like reading wrestling magazine, you know, every page back to back number of times because there aren't too many of them that you have to reread again and read everything and watch everything and want to know everything about it. But I always wished that Baba's American talent you know, who, who are all coming to all Japan, they would come to New Japan and have match against Inoki. That didn't really happen. See, you see how you have the Funks, the Hardy Race, the uh, Mel Maskers or whomever it was you, the American superstars you read on magazine, they all come to all Japan, you know? Whereas Inoki had, you know, bloody match against Tiger Jit Singh all year long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Then Inoki against Japanese superstar like Kintaro Oki or war, during the World League tournament in New, you know spring tournament in New Japan, you have Inoki against Kobe, uh, Inoki against Sakaguchi, Inoki against Kobayashi again, Inoki against Kintaro Oki, Inoki against all these Japanese roster. So it was more of like a right who's better and I mean, a better man win kind of you know situation. Whereas 1975 December of 1975, Baba had a uh, that this uh, one-time tournament called Open Championship Tournament. He brought in, you know, Dory Funk, Hardy Race, of course, Abdullah the Butcher, but you had Dick Murdoch, uh, Dusty Rose as Texas Outlaws, the younger version of Dusty Rose and Dick Murdoch, Ken Mantel, uh, NWA Junior Heavyweight World Champion at the time, Hiro Matsuda, the the former world champion, Pat O'Connor, the Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods, the Don Leo, Jonathan, the, all those big, huge names came in all together and had the mini tournament in December while Inoki was having one-man single match, Inoki against Billy Robinson the same month. That was very interesting. In fact, it was the same night. One building, Sumo Palace, had Inoki against you know Billy Robinson and drive about five miles at the... Nippon Budokan, Baba had that, you know, Ricky Dosa Memorial Open Tournament, you know, big, huge match. Same night, about five miles apart. So what were the crowds like? Would the crowd, were the crowds oh, split? Both, both or 10,000. Yeah, both through 10,000 people. Would you yeah. say the makeup of the crowd would be uh, just general pro wrestling fans or were there people that were... Um, you know, pure New Japan fans or loyal All Japan fans only? Oh, it's really hard to say. Yeah, it's mm. really hard to say. It was always like 
TV Asahi, you know, show against Nippon TV show almost. Mm-hmm. But Baba had more um, establishment feeling because Ricky Dozen's, you know, family, you know, attended the Budokan shows. IW sent their wrestlers like Russia Kimura, Mairi Inoue, the great Kusatsu. They participated in an open tournament and international feeling. Yeah, Dick Bayer, the destroyer was in Japanese side and they used the traditional Rikidozan trophy. They brought in the old, you know, like antique trophy to the building. And uh, yeah, Inoki Billy Robinson was like a one match show, but same night though. Yeah, so. Uh, that was very interesting. Yeah. December of 1975. Yeah. And from there, I think, I, I think it was around this time too. Uh, it was Inoki's first match with uh, Ruska, the judoka from Europe. Uh, February of 1976. Yeah. Oh, so not, not soon, pretty soon after. Uh, the, yeah. February of 1976 and June of 1976, historical Inoki against Muhammad Ali happened. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's big. Should we should we uh, talk about that now or should we save that for the beginning of the next? Well, well no, we can talk about Muhammad Ali. Thing yeah. Because it actually, you see, now that the, 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 like I just said five minutes ago, most today's wrestling journalists, wrestling journalism or the historian feel that Inoki and Bob has always, always been equal, right? I don't think it was equal until 1976. Baba was bigger star until 1976. Until Inoki had a historical mixed martial arts, also the beginning of MMA, right? Now Mm -hmm. that hindsight, that Inoki and Muhammad Ali made Inoki world famous because he was broadcasted in all over the States. Not before the pay-per-view, but he was uh, closed circuit, uh, beaming television or whatever they were calling it. They beamed the live feed into America was using satellite and they broadcasted the Inoki Ali match at all the movie theaters in United, all over states. The only time they used satellite for sport was like Olympic, right? Mm-hmm. And the Inoki Ali match kind of changed the, 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 the course of business and not just the Vince McMahon senior affiliate, but the, you know, you had the Florida NWA, the Texas NWA, the uh, Los Angeles Mike Lavelle NWA affiliate, even AWA territories in Minnesota and the Midwest. They all carried this Inoki Muhammad Ali, that uh, closed circuit, you know, feed to make a business. They ran wrestling card in conjunction to that. You know, the same night at the Chicago International Amphitheater, AWA Vernganya had the big show, you know, that uh, Vernganya against Nick Bakwenko and the Dicta Bruiser Crusher against Blackjacks or somebody like that. And they, they had this, uh, they lined a big show conjunction with Muhammad Ali Inoki match. So it happened all over the States that day but people didn't understand that that the content of uh, how important the content was that that they thought it was really boring right because inoki laid there and kicked 
Muhammad Ali's legs the entire time. But there was Muhammad Ali's people who didn't want him to wrestle because they didn't. They went. It it was not work. It was complete shoot match. The beginning of MMA in hindsight. That uh, Ali Ali's people came to Japan. He didn't come in all by himself. Of course, boxing. Uh, when you have world title boxing match, you have twenty. You know your of your guys, right? You know, entourage. You know the 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 whole, the whole team of Muhammad Ali came to Japan, and they felt they thought it was going to be just a, you know, what you think of professional wrestling. You know, when are we going to rehearse? And you know, these people said, there's no rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they said, no. Then we're going home. No, 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 don't go home. And they uh, they had the rule meetings every night. Don't let Inoki wrestle. Do not, you know, in, let Inoki use those dangerous martial arts uh, kick and chops and uh, the, the no headbutts, no wrestling hold, n- you know, no wrestling on the mat allowed. And it's just like, oh, we go home. And then just Inoki's people and TB Asahi just had to make the match happen. Right, so much money and, and network time and budget went in, and uh, it wasn't going to happen even after all these people came in. But uh, somehow, somewhat, somehow, the, the match took took place, and uh, they went in without rehearsal, and uh, the Inoki did what what he had to do, you know, or what he could. That he couldn't wrestle, he couldn't grapple. And uh, what can you do, you know? And uh, he he looked at the rules that, uh, okay, he could lay there and actually kick Ali's legs the entire time. And that's far enough that he's not going to you know, hit you. And it was like a well-thought-out strategy. And at the time, audience or the world audience or the wrestling audience, none of us are educated enough that, uh, that this is what's going to happen in real fight situation. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, and there was no there was no comparison yet. I mean, there were right kickboxing tournament. That's not the same though. That's it's still a sport. It's still a um, mixed martial yeah, arts. The kickbox- oh, yeah, the yeah, kickboxer against kickboxer. Yes, but the professional but yeah, boxer like same. Ali against professional wrestler. Inoki wasn't about to box. And Ali wasn't going to wrestle or let him let Inoki grapple, and he wasn't going to let him use elbows or, and not even gonna let Inoki hold you anywhere in your body. What can you do? You know. And then they were all, you know, you know, the Ali's people all ready to pack up and leave. You know, and uh, yeah, the match had to had to take place. And also, it's almost a urban legend, but. Uh, uh, Ali's asking price was like uh, anything, even the one dollar above six million dollar, six million dollar at the time, 1976, six million dollar. That's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money, a lot of money. In 1976, yeah. And also, it became, you know, from his, you know, Ali's joke. Do you, if you remember uh, the real famous television show that was really popular at the time, six six million dollar man. Mm-hmm. Steve yeah. Austin. <laughs> right, right, right. Steve Austin was the main character's name. Not Stone Cold. 
no, no, but uh, yeah, who, who, whatever majors, yeah, that uh, Lee majors, right? Six million dollar man was a big television show, and the six million dollar meant it was like a astronomical figure, right, at the time. Mm-hmm. So Ali said, "All right, anyway, even one dollar uh, that uh, anything above six million dollar, I'll take the fight." Then. Japanese uh, television and Inoki's sponsors and New Japan Pro Wrestling took it seriously and gathered up uh, $6 million and another 100000 on it. And uh, I guess all these people had to take the fight. The, it all started in one conversation uh, Muhammad Ali had with um, wrestling, uh, Olympic wrestling chairman, uh, Mr. Hatta. Uh, Hachiro Hata. Uh, is there any Japanese challenger? Oh, I don't think so. Kind of thing. There was a uh, the, there was a conversation. There was no heavyweight Japanese boxer at the time. You know, when you think about you know professional boxing, Japanese boxer with the bantamweight or you know super welter at tops. You know, not even the middleweight, and let alone you know heavyweight boxer that never existed. You know, at the time. Anyhow, that uh, so Muhammad Ali spoke with you know Hach, you know Hachiro Hatta, that the chairman of Japanese Olympic wrestling. So we never have Japanese challengers, ha ha ha, right? And that became the print. You know, one of the newspaper that uh, reported that uh, Muhammad Ali is seeking out Japanese challenger heavyweight. Then Inoki took it. It's a, hey, this is money. And then Inoki, you know, sent his, you know, feeler to Ali's people and, and this, you know, negotiation, the closed door negotiation started and this wasn't going to happen. They thought, Ali's people thought that the wrestling was all phony, right? Of course. And, uh, right, we can do, you know, a professional wrestler against, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali match for charity. Great, right? Charity, right? Fine. But uh, no, it was Inoki's idea to have match single match against Muhammad Ali and broadcast it all over the world. It was only just you know five six months after the Kinshasa's miracle. Remember, Ali just came off of George Foreman fight, his biggest match. Remember, it was probably the only option Inoki had to tried to get more popular than Baba, who was just so popular at the time. And also a worldwide name. Mm-hmm. All these wrestling promoter in America until 1976. See, Baba was a man. You know, when you, I'm talking about, you know, NWA chairman, Sam Machinik, AWA Vern Gagne, that the NWA Florida, the Eddie Graham, that the, Dallas, Texas, Fritz von Eric, the you know all these uh, the Sheik, the original Sheik, the Ed Farhart from Detroit, uh, Toronto, that the Tunney family, that the, all these huge NWA promoter all over America and Canada. When you talk, you know, w- w- when they thought about Japanese wrestling, Giant Bob was the only promoter, and Inoki who, right? Antonio who, right? At the time, really, that was. Baba was the only establishment among this wrestling community in, in America. When you think about Japanese wrestling, Baba was the only promoter. 
worth talking about. Doing and the mentality was Baba equals Japan. Japanese yeah, Japan. Of Japan. Right, right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it was as if it was believed that uh, JWA went down and Baba took over. It, it wasn't like that, though. Baba walked out and created his, he started his All Japan Pro Wrestling, but the, all those details were forgotten. And American promoters believed that the JWA went down and Baba took over. Well, it looks like it, though. And now it, it does look like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, I, we're going to touch on all of that when we we hit on the Baba. We're the Baba, gonna, Baba legacy, yeah. But yeah, tonight, it's cr- yeah. It crossed paths a lot, but um, that's right. But the Muhammad Ali fight was very important, and it became even more important 40 years later when you look back and watch 40-year-old Inoki Ali match in, in its entirety. This is what would happen and when you don't have MMA rules to do MMA match. And what they did was so brilliant. Yeah. It was at the time it's like a, such a boring thing, you know? Yeah. But it was thinking like a if you were a pro wrestler in this situation, what would a pro wrestler do? Inoki seemed to be that persona 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And also it's crazy enough to go in the ring with somebody like Muhammad Ali. Mm, fearless. In his prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you'll probably get killed, huh? It was, yeah. uh, I think that was part of the appeal too, is that no one knew what was going to happen. No one knew because there were, there was no MMA. There were, what, what could we compare it to? Right, right. That Inoki proved himself six months, you know, four months earlier against, you know, Olympic judo gold medal William Rushka, and he beat him, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, it was work, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, Inoki can handle gold medal judoka uh, from Munich Olympic. That Inoki might be able to handle Muhammad Ali too. He's going to grab him and give him German suplex or something. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I got excited, and it was actually for the states as a big market. You know why? Yeah, I didn't understand at the time. This Muhammad Ali Inoki match happened Saturday morning at noon. Uh, no, actually Saturday morning, eleven o'clock on Saturday in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know what that was? It's a nine o'clock prime time Friday night in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And live feed, satellite feed into America. But the actual match took place in Nippon Budokan Saturday morning, 11 o'clock a.m. I didn't understand that. And at the time, though, when I was, it was, I was ninth grade, matches happening noon on television live, right? And at the time, we had morning class on Saturdays. You know, the Saturday you had half day in school and I was ninth grade just as soon as the you know morning class was over we all ran to home you know <laughs> we ran all the way home to watch Inoki Ali <laughs> that was like we every kid my age of course every kid remembers that day that was Saturday morning we still had school just morning but just as soon as this morning class was over we all ran to somebody's house or somebody's parents house you know, to sit and watch Inoki against Muhammad Ali live. That was such a big deal. So <laughs> at the time, what yeah. was the general reaction to the match? What were, were people, what was, were they bored? Were fans into it? 
Oh, on two actual match, it was a big, huge deal. But like I said, nobody knew how to watch M MMA fight or the, uh, knew the concept of MMA at the time or simply boxer against wrestler type match, what can be or what could, you know, what can happen. And it was huge deal. And what they did was what they did. And uh, every single regular newspaper like Yomiuri, Asahi, Mainichi newspaper, every single you know, network actual news carried it and bashed it like such a hype, no match. I mean, like a like a they really <laughs> they they just they bashed uh, it. Took, oh, pretty much. So big business, no match. It's a boring match or the fake. Or I mean, they really use that word too. You know, what's gonna happen? It was no show. I mean, like I mean, it was like a big big hype nothing happened thing and took them decades to understand you know understand what really was really but the most people you know newspaper or the boxing critic or tv critics or sport critic they all bashed it like so much hype nothing happened kind of like that they didn't have the eyes to witness you know mma wasn't educated it just 30 years too soon on hindsight, right? It was one of the first big experiments and what led to, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, after that, the slowly but surely, but we uh, saw the evidence that Inoki became big, huge name all over the world after that. Uh, that uh, evidently, if you remember the uh, Bad News Bears Go to Japan movie, mm -hmm. I mean, second one, the first one had Tatum O'Neill in it, right? Mm -hmm. The second series of uh, the, the Bad News Bears movie, the Little League Baseball movie, the second one came to Japan, okay? And Inoki had part in it, 1977 movie. It came out 1978, but the young, the 34-year-old Inoki taking on, taking on, you know, kids. <laughs> there was a scene, but there's a trailer uh, that, that, you know, three-minute trailer on, on YouTube. Somebody put that up recently. Bad news bears go to Japan. That's a movie. Inoki has part in it. Yeah, that was the year after Muhammad Ali fight. Yeah. Was interesting, and he start making you know more frequent trip to Madison Square Gardens on you know that point on. Mm -hmm. He would be yeah. in uh, some of the upper card matches in Madison Square Garden, uh, Iron Sheik. Um... Yeah, the first one was a Frank Monty or something like that, mm -hmm. and yeah, Inoki against Buddy, so um, so. Uh, Buddy Rose. Uh, I was, I think it was a Larry Sharp. Larry Very Sharp. Similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And also had uh, he had he made a lot of appearance at the uh, Olympic Auditorium in LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Madison Square Garden, like a couple times a year, you know, start making appearance. Yeah, and you know, his guys. In '78, young Fujinami wins his first WWF Junior Heavyweight Title, beating Jose Estrada. Yeah, that was the beginning of Bob Backlund era. Yeah. Oh, the end. Uh, we'll have to talk about him. Yeah, in, very in symbolic. Though, symbolic. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Bob Backlund, who was champion in 1979, 1978. Yeah, and then came to Japan. Inoki actually beat Bob Backlund in Tokushima to become very first Japanese wrestler to win the WWF title, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it was Baba beating Hardy Race or somebody at the end of the tour, Hardy Race will beat Baba again to win the title back and go home, huh? Mm. For Inoki's case, he didn't get beat. <laughs> and uh, that's another story for another day. It's going to take a couple of 20 minutes. <laughs> Not just a couple of minutes, but yeah, it takes a little while. But How about we, we'll start our next episode talking about yeah, uh, Inoki and Backlund. Yeah. Bob Backlund didn't beat Inoki to get the title back, but he had to go home. Yeah. It that was, was another uh, uh, urban legend among pro wrestling fans over here because it was never announced. It was always a rumor. It was printed in some magazines. Oh, that's in the videotape. Yeah, that the Inoki beat back Bob Buckland for WWA title and then clearly won the belt in his waist. And he Inoki basically didn't return the title, and he he never lost. So the story storyline had to be uh, made. Uh, the very next Madison Square Garden, in, in, at the Madison Square Garden, it was announced Bob Backlund against Bobby Duncan was Texas Deathmatch. Therefore, no title was uh, was at stake, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in Japan, it was announced that the WWF title became vacant, right? That uh, the title uh, was up for grab and Bob Backlund against Bobby Duncan will be that match to determine the now vacant WWF title. In the meantime, Inoki was in the building, but he, he had to defend his WWF martial arts title against Iron Sheik. Therefore, no Bob Backlund against Antonio Inoki in New York City. <laughs> That's right. It was called the martial arts title, international martial arts title. Martial arts title recognized by WWF, and he's, you know, he's defending that title at Madison Square Garden that night against Iron Sheik. Therefore, no Bob Backlund Inoki match. <laughs> that was like a very, very, like a tight, real tight storyline. Yeah. <laughs> and they made sure that the, they had the video footage that the Bob, Bob Backlund going into the ring without the belt. Of course, it was Texas death, you know, Texas death match, so he wouldn't be wearing a heavyweight title. And Hisashi Shima, Inoki's manager, and also WWF figurehead president at the time, holding very new WWF title belt in that ring, as if it was vacant. <laughs> oh, it was very, very tight that the, all the news, the Tokyo Sports Gang magazine, the baseball magazine, you know, pro wrestling magazine, all, all you know, sort of cooperate. And basically, Inoki didn't return the belt, you know, and for next decade or so that uh, Vince McMahon, today's Vince McMahon, you know, Vincent Kennedy McMahon felt that the Inoki double-crossed his father. Very dramatic telling of the story. It's, it's, uh, but it's what happened. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's cover that next time. Okay. Next time we, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Backland. We'll get into the, the WWF relationship, which was, 
you know, becoming a big part of it. Uh, Inoki in and how yeah, and how Kogan was big star in Japan before he became big huge superstar in America. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Yeah. Inoki had a big part in in that. Uh, we will also yeah. we got to talk and about Stan first, Hansen inaugural, too. Yeah, inaugural IWGP tournament. The final was Inoki against Hal Kogan. Yeah, mm. and Stan Hansen way he he stood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll start in the early eighties and we'll come back. I, I don't know if we think we're going to have to do uh, more than five. I think we might have to. Is it, we are doing part three now, part three, but we're only in 1980. No, no, no. We'll do, you know, people get bored so that we'll pack everything into five episodes. All right, we'll do our best. And actually, uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening over the past couple of weeks. We've gotten um, some nice feedback on Twitter. So thanks Thank to everybody. You. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have questions. Oh, we're having a great time. We're having a yeah, great time. We're motivated <laughs> because we're, we're, this is a good platform to really get into, get deeply into what happened. It's always easy to, to just read a line or two on Wikipedia, but it's not the whole story, especially when it comes to the Japanese oh, stuff. Oh, Wikipedia is written by some fans. It's who read whoever what we've been writing <laughs> yeah yeah so uh but this time in Inoki's career is really exciting um the matches oh, are great and actually if uh, anybody has new japan world which has most of Inoki's matches recently um kevin kelly and chris charlton from new japan uh, okay. english and commentary Inoki dvd box just came out you know with all the historical matches in there like Inoki against Tori Funk NWA title match 69 and 70. Inoki against uh, Jack Briscoe before Jack Briscoe was NWA champion. Something, yeah, stuff like that. Inoki against Fritz von Erich, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Some tape existed and survived, and some they didn't save, you know? So I I don't I didn't buy that DVD box, so I, I asked someone who's Inoki, Inoki fan, Inoki Mania. <laughs> Is that available overseas or just in Japan? Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, the DVD has thing called a region code, right? The That's right. American DVD cannot be played in Japanese DVD player and vice versa. But there is a little device that, that can erase it. I don't know if it's legal or not, but, the, you know, the region is a really tricky thing on DVD. But uh, And sooner or later, you'll probably find it on, not if not, YouTube, but it is another thing called Motion. Daily Motion? Yeah, you can find more things on Daily Motion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Sure, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If anybody you know, has a problem. YouTube, you know. yeah, there's a you know, group of people who's erasing all these tapes, right? Because it's yeah, not. I think that's the know, company. That's TV Asahi. And, and, yeah, because it's not legitimate, you know, but uh, sometimes you'll still find a lot of important historical footage on YouTube if you look for it, you know, long enough. And Daily Motion, too. Yeah. All but right. So we'll, we'll have, yeah, we'll cover a lot of things again on our Inoki episode four, right? That's right. That'll be next week. So, <laughs> okay. where can uh, people ask you questions or leave comments okay. for you? Uh, on Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko Dayo, or Fumisaito on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram, Fumihiko2001. But I'm not on Instagram that much. 
But uh, yeah, to, or, or on Twitter or Facebook, uh, please send me a question or a friend request with some notes on it. And I mean, if, if somebody send me just friend request, I don't even know this person, so I may not be able to accept it. You know? Hmm. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter at Justin M Nipper K N I P P E R. Um, that'll be it for this week. So let me take it away. So long from Tokyo. I break that down. I break that down. I break that down. I break that down.